1: Privilege, quick point um, kind of personal privilege. Yes. Be honest, I, I don't know most of these guys. This is Armstrong and Getty. Pretty damn cool. Very fine people on both sides. It is what it is. But hey, we have made it possible with ridiculous bull- hey man So
2: then I was like, yeah All right,
1: go, go. I'm sorry. He is
2: Armstrong and Getty. You're listening to the best of the Armstrong and Getty Show.
0: Democrats and some Republicans are voicing concerns about President Trump's proposed military parade and feel the event may come off as totalitarian. You think? That's like someone being worried that the Pride parade is going to come off as a little bit gay. That's what they were going for.
2: That's a terrible analogy. Well, what was our military parade going to look like? I, I, never, I didn't follow this story, just... I don't know. Sometimes I decide to ch- check out of these controversies. I think because eh. it's obviously just grist for people to yell at each other. <laughs> Where well, we shout cliches? Were we going to roll missiles through the street? Like I they certainly hope like so. they used to do in Moscow. Make a point or uh or not. Uh Bogota, Colombia, apparently it's really hot. Health officials in one Colombian coastal city have uh recommendations for residents trying to stay cool. This would be one of those things, you know, when they say drink plenty of water and wear light clothing because we're in Spanish because we're freaking stupid beasts and right. can't figure this out on our own. Right. Uh the health secretary there sparked disbelief when they urged residents of Colombia to refrain from sex during the hottest part of the day, mm. to stay hydrated and wear loose, loose clothing. Sex is considered only moderate physical activity. As much strain on the heart as walking up two flights of stairs, according to the American Heart Association. But apparently in Columbia they think sex is too much for you on a hot day. So hold how back.
3: dare you? So if your honey is up two flights of stairs and you go up and make love, you've you've had sex twice in effect. In terms of your heart, fascinating. It is. It is really, really good stuff. There.
2: Uh, a couple of texts we got. In, uh, Somebody texted, "Hey, Rand Paul is uh was for revoking the clearances. I thought I'd look into that." Yeah. Yeah. Senator Rand Paul on Wednesday praised President Trump's decision to revoke former CIA director John Brennan's security clearance. Well, I remember him suggesting that weeks ago. I filibustered Brennan's nomination to head the CIA in 2013 and his behavior in government and out of it demonstrate why he should not be allowed near classified information, Paul said in a statement. He participated <clears throat> in the shredding of a constitutional rights lied to Congress. Yeah, um that's coming up in a text here. And has been monetizing and making partisan political use of his clearance since his departure. Yeah. He is acting differently than former CIA directors All of them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so there's no
3: doubt there. I have in front of me a most excellent piece by the most excellent Stephen Hayes of the uh, Weekly Standard about uh, Brennan lying repeatedly and
2: about some really nasty stuff. Yeah, well, we got a text, and I'd I'd forgotten that Brennan was involved in the... Do you remember this story from uh, back in the day, as uh, as young people like to say? 1955 or last year? What day? What happened to
3: my
4: texts?
2: Have you completely forgotten how Brennan's CIA spied on Senate Intelligence Committee staffers? Do you remember that story? That that was some story when it came out, and Brennan lied about it, then he had to admit it later. He got caught lying to Congress about it, and they they link the YouTube video of that happening. So he's he's an outlier among CIA. President Trump, obviously an outlier among presidents. I think that's well documented. Uh, uh-huh. Brennan is an outlier among CIA directors also. And we got a suggestion for the name of our long-form podcast, Potty McPodface, which is not bad.
3: Well, yeah, yeah. That's not the first one of those suggestions to come in. Thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, two former CIA officials who fought in Benghazi. This is from 2013, this story, November of 2013 were asked to sign additional non-disclosure agreements more than six months after those attacks at the memorial service for Tyrone Woods and Glenn Doherty, two of the CIA-affiliated personnel who died during the Benghazi attacks. And CIA officials, including John Brennan, denied that that ever happened, but then they uh, produced all the evidence that's needed, and it seems quite clear that several members of the team on the ground in Benghazi that night were presented with new nondisclosure agreements at a CIA ceremony honoring CIA officials killed in those attacks. Um, some of these CIA officials were asked to sign the new NDAs, despite the fact that they were leaving government service and despite the fact that they were still bound by previous NDAs, and they were quite befuddled by that demand. But then Brennan denied it up and down until it became undeniable. So is it possible... That this guy really is out of control and a liar and a savage partisan and the rest of it? And Trump just did a terrible job of explaining
2: that? No. Trump doesn't know about any of this stuff. That's not the reason that they revoked his security clearance. It's just a guy who's bad-mouthing him on television. Ah. I think. Yeah. And it's what you've been talking about. It's just unrelated retribution, which is really not the best thing. Again, I call this whole thing a carnival of
3: stupid and, and dishonest. I just I just the whole thing is off putting
2: to me. So Helen Gurley Brown, I remember her name from something. She's a giant of the publishing world. She wrote a popular book called Sex and the Single Girl back the day. But anyway, this has been making the rounds on social media. A diet published in a nineteen seventy seven issue of Vogue magazine, Weight Loss Ideas, The Wine and Egg Diet. Which oh yeah. it, which involves, as you may have guessed, drinking wine and eating eggs. Will do. For breakfast, they suggest one egg, hard-boiled, and one glass of wine. For for, l- breakfast? for lunch, they suggest two eggs, hard-boiled, but poached if necessary, and two glasses of wine. Then for dinner, a five-ounce steak, uh, no eggs, it would appear, and a glass of white wine. It, no eggs at all? <laughs> no eggs for dinner. Well, that sounds like the low-carb but drunk diet. What an idiotic... Was this presented seriously? I don't know. All in all, it says here, the diet sounds like three days spent... (laughs) Ah, this reviewer. Apparently, everybody's been forwarding this around, because it's kind of funny, especially if you know you're a young single woman trying to keep your weight off and drinking lots of wine. Yeah, Sounds like a great idea. All in all, this diet sounds like three days spent in a starving, drunk, drunken stupor.
3: (laughs) Sick of eggs, but too drunk to care.
2: Man, I'm hungry, but I'm sure drunk. God, that's funny. (laughs) It is funny. Uh, Diet help, please. One person responded, can I swap the eggs for another glass of wine?
3: (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Hilarious. uh, Trust me when I tell you, wine does you no good in
2: losing weight. Yes, another response None whatsoever. There's a lot of funny people in the world. One thing you get from uh, following the comment section on tweets or news stories is, there's a lot of sad, angry people that oh, yeah. are mad at everything. Mm-hmm. And then there's a lot of really hilarious people that finally have an outlet. I'm doing the uh, a different version of the wine and eggs diet. I'm replacing the eggs with cheeseburgers and the wine with more wine. <laughs> 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 Which is not a bad idea either. Beautiful. Beautiful. Out of the 70s. When they thart, thought, fart, what did I just say? I can't imagine. Hard fart primary. That was an accident. I didn't say that word on purpose. Yeah. It's Freudian slip. That was back when they told us fake butter, synthetic butter, if you will, was better than real butter. Yeah. They've since decided it was like taking poison. Well, and gobble lots and lots of carbs. Lots of it. Sugar
3: on everything. Just for God's sake, don't take in any protein. The government told us that. A lot of you are old enough to remember that. You youngsters!
2: They're smarter now, Joe. The, the government's s- smarter suck now. Suck up
3: the government's word like mother's milk. Wake up!
2: Yeah, so was shortly after they had uh, stopped telling us that b- mother's breast milk is not what's best for your kid.
3: Right. This stuff we made in the factory is better for your kid. That's crazy. Palias. Check out the great new swag like the new masks at armstrongandgetty.com
2: You're listening to the best of the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. This is the best of Armstrong and Getty. So, this is uh, an interesting Thing. It's going on in Oregon. Do you know Oregon has some of the um, uh, most liberal, is liberal the right term? I don't know. Uh, the most animal friendly laws and protections in the nation. And Not surprised. That's one of the reasons this case is going forward there, where a horse is suing. Oh, right. This is a uh, horse. Of course, horse, of course. Justice the horse. So this yeah. horse belonged to somebody who did. Let didn't, me tell you a story about a horse named Justice. That's good, Sam Elliott. Um so this horse was uh owned by somebody and that person didn't take uh care of it, which is disgusting and awful. Oh, it's terrible. And if I don't
3: hear that uh horse walking into the court in about thirty seconds, Michael, it'll be awful as well. Anyway, Jack you We were have saying? a
2: surprise witness.
3: Your Honor I call Justice the Horse. Here,
2: that's justice dumb. I thought justice we're all Justice the Horse. I thought Justice the Horse was here. Is Justice here? You know what's fun is watching Michael clicking (laughs) buttons, looking around, looking at computer screens and trying to imagine.
3: Timing.
2: How it's not a a more simple system than this. It's not your fault, Michael.
3: No, why don't we just buy that thing we were looking at online? (laughs) Anyway. It's not, like, not that thing, the other
2: one. Oh, okay. So that it, one would help more. This horse was treated really poorly by its previous owner, not taken care of. And oh, it, it's, uh, horrible. you know, it's like, uh, the dogs, cats, any animals that are abused. It needed veterinary care. And, um, so anyway, somebody else got the horse. And now this person is suing the previous owner. Uh, the horse, they're attempting to have the horse sue the previous owner. Right. For a hundred thousand dollars with a veterinary care for pain and suffering Mm. because this new owner is going to have to spend a lot of money to get this this horse you know uh, back to being comfortable again Mm. and uh, why should they pay for it well this is uh, this is the perfect
3: example of ambivalence Um, uh, that's effing looney tunes horses in court animals in court in in general it's an idiotic idea.
2: The complaint and is. I hope the horse wins. The complaint is the latest bid in a quest to get courts to recognize animals as plaintiffs. Not going to happen. Something supporters and critics alike say would be revolutionary. There have been a few previous attempts, which I'll get, to, uh, get into in just a little bit. Well, I tell you what. By the time the ants are done with me, I'm going to be broke. So they're bringing this in Oregon because they think that's the maybe the state where it's m- most likely to find a judge where they could actually make with stoned make this happen. They may may have found the right key to the courthouse door with this case. They think three decades ago, very few law schools offered courses in animal law. Now more than 150 do, and some states have created animal law prosecutorial units, which where none existed before. Um, in 2000, more contractors are building animal houses. In 2004, a federal appeals court shot down a suit in the name of the world's crustaceans in which President George W. Bush and Donald Rumsfeld were sued over the U.S. U, Navy's use of sonar and how it was damaging various sea-dwelling creatures. Ah, uh, yeah, which is an interesting field, but... In 2012, a U.S. District Court dismissed a suit filed on behalf of, we remember this probably, a five SeaWorld Orcas arguing that their captivity was a violation of the 13th Amendment's prohibition on slavery. That didn't make it either. Wow. And then this spring, which we talked about I mean, on the show... mean, if any being is going to get... The right to sue a whale might be it, and this or a chim. We talked about this where a macaw, that's a monkey of some sort, um, um, took its own a macaque. I'm sorry, right? Cause a bird, Correct. a macaque uh, took its own photo with a cell phone. And attempted to sue for copyright protection when other people were profiting from it. Oh, right. I remember that one. Greedy macaque. <laughs> but the court ruled that the monkey and all animals, since they are not humans, lack statutory standing under the Copyright Act. But it made it further than than it, these sorts of things usually do. Hmm.
3: Um. Obviously, obviously... Didn't somebody try uh to sue on behalf of a lab chimp at one point? That would make sense. Mistreatment? Yeah, I mean, they're so... Close to human.
2: So, what's closer than some people we work with? So, so uh, these are the this this sounds like the sort of story where you got to take it to its like ridiculous, logical it's not ridiculous, but take it take it as far as you can in terms of why this would be a horror if they gave animals standing like this. First of all, practically every pet that's out there, somebody would get sued. There's all kinds of pets that don't get treated well. Oh, yeah, yeah, lab animals, insects. I mean, not my joke about the ants. Well, surely, insects wouldn't get lumped in with dogs and and, and and whales. Well, the whole thing is a ridiculous non-starter. It,
3: it, it's obvious to me uh, because if if someone has standing to sue, then they have standing to vote, to collect, uh, you know, government benefits, to get married, to get married. Certainly, tell you what: if we told you every story we get about people coupling with animals. You know, for some reason people think we want to see him, so every time it gets it happens around America, we
2: get the story. Happens more than you think. There was a guy in the news the other day, uh Indiana, I think. He had sexed up horses, dogs, and goats. And he uh, got arrested. Was there a
3: pig involved? Oh, I think there was pig Because I remember it was a real mixed grill special. <laughs> it's mixed grill night at the uh the bunny ranch. He was a trisexual. He'll try anything. Oh Lord. You ought to try to get a little normal.
2: And you're
3: dismissed for the death. I don't think you'd <laughs> Thank choose. you choose your testimony.
2: I mean, you gotta lock these people up, I suppose, but I don't think you choose to be sexually attracted to animals. Most of us aren't because we have good character. We just aren't. Right.
3: <laughs> it's not like we all decided. We sat down, mom argued the pro, dad argued the con, and we all decided for ourselves. You know, I'm not going to be, pardon me, but a beast ever. I mean, <laughs> Right. It's, it's yeah. obviously a sickness, but at the same time, anyway. there are plenty of sicknesses that people don't indulge in as much because
2: they know it's illegal and they're afraid. Sure. but we'll, So we'll see how far justice the horse makes it in court. They changed the name of the horse for this court case. I suspected that might be the case. Yeah. <laughs> a little uh, heavy-handed. heavy hooved, if you will. And that's the story of a horse named justice. <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs>
3: Would that it were. Would that it were. <laughs> so, wow. 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 A uh, horse faced John
2: Kerry blast. Wow. So if, uh, for those of you who are, are, are on the side of working toward more, uh, rights for animals, what are you hoping to accomplish? I wonder. Maybe, maybe you could text us 415-295 KFTC. You know, I have a suspicion. It's just all about um, I preventing you, any cruelty or exploitation of animals, probably including eating on them. I'm wondering if you could even, uh, own a pet. If that happened, because somebody somewhere would think you're not walking them enough, playing with them enough. I believe that to be part of PETA's kind of overall thing is they don't even like pets. So you're going to have millions
3: of feral beasts running the streets? Well, That's idiotic. Would, well,
2: they just go away over time. So you just wouldn't have dogs and cats if you're going to. So is that what you want? It's, it's well, like in societies where they don't have American-style pet ownership, they don't go away. They breed like crazy. Well, they'd have to. In the United States. Yeah. We'd have to take care of that. But anyway, uh it'd be uh like we were talking about the other day, the, the super environmentalist people that it would seem have a view that the world would be better if there were no humans. Earth would be happier somehow. Right, sure. Um and which is I would be happier, actually. But <laughs> if you're the only well, if you're the last man on Earth, No, there could be a few. It would be fine. Um, but if you if you make it so expensive and difficult and lawyered up to own pets and there's just no pets, do you think that would be better for dogs and cats if they just didn't exist? I suspect that this is coming much more from a vegan area. They don't want you eating animals. So that's the direction they want to take it? I, 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 uh-huh. That makes sense. I figured there had to be some underlying, there's a reason we're doing this. Yes. So it's that.
3: Yeah. It's very much like people who want illegal aliens to vote. They're slowly getting them up. They're giving them rights in an incremental Driver's licenses, way. Drivers' yeah. Exactly. Drivers' money, benefits, um, yeah. you know, welfare, all that sort of stuff. Then it gets to a point where it's a small step to let somebody vote. Why wouldn't you let them vote? They're involved in the government. Right. That's what
2: they're shooting for. The best masks I've seen, and they say Armstrong and Getty on them. You can get one at armstrongandgetty.com.
0: This is the best of Armstrong and Getty.
1: Turn you guys are supposed to cheer. Oh! He has an enormous amount of quits,
2: but I hate to say it. It was kind of cool. I'm funny how I mean, funny like I'm a clown. I am. All right, go, go. <clears throat> I'm ready. He is Armstrong and Getty. You're listening to the best of the Armstrong and Getty show.
4: Better read you something. <laughs> Dear Dr. Helen Wilson, I have now closely considered the revisions of your manuscript, Dog Park, and will recommend its publication in Gender, Place, and Culture. You have done very good work to address the issues your viewers raised and have clarified your arguments. Thank you for your contribution to gender, place, and culture.
3: I wish I could play all of that for you. It's a video we are posting at armstrongandgetty.com, which has links to the relevant materials which are, we are about to discuss. This group of scientists designed a rigorous scientific study to prove the level of... Well, I'll, I'll read their own words. They talk about grievance studies, the social uh, social sciences fields that primarily refer to themselves as blank studies... And because they operate primarily upon by focusing upon and inflaming the grievances of certain identity groups, we think it represents a significant and influential subset of the scholarship coming out of cultural studies within the humanities, sociology, anthropology, other social sciences, and is gaining increasing power over our universities, institutions, media, and culture.
2: And having looked into taking classes at various universities, I I ran into this all the time where I couldn't find any courses that weren't about some grievance group. Right. If you want to study the American Revolution, you could only study, you know, gay people in the American Revolution or women in the American Revolution or whatever.
3: Right. So what they wanted to do was a serious ethnographic inquiry into fields, journals, and scholars who exhibited various commitments to the assumptions of grievance studies. Specifically, over the course of the year, we wrote 20 academic papers and submitted them to significant peer-reviewed academic journals in the fields with the hopes of getting them published. Every paper combined an effort to better understand the field itself with an attempt to get absurdities and morally fashionable political ideas published as legitimate academic research. Some papers took bigger risks in this regard than others. We wanted to understand the nature of the problem in academia and the culture that produces it. In that sense, this study was what anthropologists might refer to as a reflexive ethnography of academic critical constructivism. In plainer language, what that means is we sought to become outsiders who embedded ourselves within the culture in order to understand it and come to fit in with it. Hmm. We verified our success in this regard by getting high-level academic scholarship published in their journals, some of them quite prestigious. We hope to reboot the conversation about topics of cultural interest such as gender, race, sexuality, and so on, and bring it back to a more rigorous basis, the nature of which remains to be determined at this time. We want to reintroduce skepticism of the underlying assumptions and Quote critical methodologies employed in grievance studies, so that scholarship regarding important questions of gender, race, sexuality, and so on can be addressed accurately and by the best possible methods. This follows from our suspicion, which we think our project helps establish, that these fields are corrupted by biases favoring a particular radical political view from certain thinkers who he names, and many they name, and many others, and an unwillingness to accept outside criticism. We perceive a large number of people, both inside and outside of academia, who are aware of the increasing power grievances study scholars wield. And we wanted to provide an opportunity for these people to feel safe enough to speak out and say, no, I'm not going to go along with that until it has had more thorough and rigorous review. And for them, along with others, especially on the left, to say, these people do not speak for me. So that is the rather dry explanation of their very rigorous year-long study of this. And it was supposed to be a little longer than that, but they got outed by certain members of the stupid, stupid media who just don't want anybody to have any fun. But that uh, video we came back with, the audio you heard, was them getting news that the first of their papers had been accepted by gender, place, and culture. And the paper was specifically Human Reactions to Rape Culture and Queer Performativity at Urban Dog Parks in Portland, Oregon. Here's your introduction. This article addresses questions in human geography and the geographies of sexuality by drawing upon one year of embedded in situ observations of dogs and their human companions at three public dog parks in Portland, Oregon, which is so good. The purpose of this research is to uncover emerging themes in human and canine interactive behavioral patterns in urban dog parts to better understand human uh, moral decision-making in public spaces and uncover bias and emergent assumptions around gender, race, and sexuality. Specifically, and in order of priority, I examine the following questions. How do human companions manage, contribute, and respond to violence in dogs? Two, what issues surround queer performativity and human reaction to homosexual dog uh, see, homosexual sex between and among dogs. And three, do dogs suffer oppression based upon perceived gender? Um, wow. It concludes by applying my black feminist criminology categories through which my observations can be understood and inferred, etc., etc., etc. And it was all made up. And as ridiculous as they could make it and still get it published, and it was published by and praised by a very wow. uh, prestigious... um publication
2: now some of this is what you were just talking about these these areas of interest are just so excited about their area of interest that they've invented that uh, they're willing to go with anything some right. of it is what if i was talking agrees about, with them some of what it was i was talking about earlier with the whole academia thing where they just everybody gets printed they print everything nobody reads this stuff it doesn't have any impact but it's right. just part of the academia is i wrote a paper that got published oh really me too you know mm-hmm. it's just part of that world yeah. which is weird
3: but they were trying to prove that if you accept the party line and the uh, accepted thinking in the grievance studies field, uh, they'll accept anything. There are there no is, standards. There are no standards. It is the opposite of rigorous. Another one of my favorites. Stars, planets, and gender. A framework for a feminist astronomy. <laughs> 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 Understood broadly as the scientific study of the stars. Astronomy ranks among the oldest of human fascination studies and knowledges. Still, the relationship among science, gender, and astronomy, however, have gone under-investigated.
2: Mas- That's true.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Chef, for good reason. Masculinist approaches to epistemology, science, and astronomy, as well as gendered and colonialist systems of knowledge production and verification, have excluded and marginalized knowledges, narratives, and ways of knowing from women, indigenous people, and other sources outside the western-centric androcentric scientific paradigm. Androcentric? Does that mean humans? Yeah. Human scientists, human-centered science. To remedy this problem, this paper proposes a framework for feminist astronomy that one, critically examines knowledge production in astronomy and astronomy in the sciences, two, recognizes gendered and colonialist approaches to astronomical knowledge, and three, <laughs> challenges these systems of scientific domination, and four, provides alternative knowledge sources and research methods for astronomy, Feminist astronomy draws upon feminist theory, post-colonial theory, and feminist political ecology to analyze while challenging and disrupting masculinist hegemony within astronomy and the natural sciences, leading to a more inclusive, diverse, and equitable astronomy, more focused upon human relationships to
2: the stars. But it's so, it's so self-perpetuating, this whole thing. Um, because you, you want to print these papers to help validate your field, which you are in and get paid for, which, for which there is no work outside of academia. So you have to like build up this. It'd be like if I could convince a university that studying Buck Owens was really important. Yes, and, and to country music and how it affects the world. And I could start publishing papers on that, and then I become a professor of a department that studies that, and just you know. So now I can make a living on something that nobody cares about, isn't real, yeah.
3: When <laughs> yeah. I've invented, you know, that's true. What troubles me though, because that's uh, that's a good point, but it's almost a. Uh, It's a very different thing than we're talking about here because this crap and its crap has become such, you know, political correctness in the original meaning of it, meaning that if you went up against the communist doctrine, you would be drummed out of the party and or tortured or killed or worked to death if you if you leave the politically correct party line and these party lines are so brutally enforced at colleges and so universally accepted oh, yeah, and they're indoctrinating millions and millions and millions of kids so it's kind of the opposite of what you're talking about.
2: Well, I know I I know at least one professor that headed out the door because just couldn't couldn't handle going along with this stuff.
3: Super Frankenstein and the masculine imaginary, feminist epistemology and super intelligent artificial intelligence safety research. That was another one of my favorite. Uh, oh, 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 oh! I almost forgot. This was uh, probably my second favorite after the dog park one. Who are they to judge? Overcoming anthropometry, anthropometry through fat bodybuilding, advocating a new classification within bodybuilding for fat people. <laughs> <laughs> I'm for that. Accepted and praised. Right. In Fat Studies, an interdisciplinary journal of body weight and society.
2: And it's pushed a lot of other studies out um, of academia. More legitimate studies that have been around for centuries are no longer studied at a lot of universities.
3: If you're not woke and you're not about a grievance, there's no room for you on campus. Right. Interesting. Check out the great new swag like the new masks at armstrongandgetty.com.
2: You're listening to the best of the Armstrong and Getty Show.
3: Armstrong and Getty. This is the best of Armstrong and Getty. So anyway, uh, we were talking last hour about this absolutely fabulous scientific study of how Incredibly biased and conformist the so-called social sciences are. And there's some science to the social sciences, but man, it's, there's a lot of squishy there. But they, and well, I guess if, if you were here, you heard it, but some more of the fake papers that they got published. Um, and they pushed it as far as they could, made them as ridiculous as they could. Here's another of my favorite titles. An ethnography of breastarant masculinity. Themes of objectification, sexual conquest, male control, and masculine toughness in a sexually objectifying restaurant. Again, that term is restaurant, like Hooters. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's clever. And they took that paper and printed it. Um,
3: here is. Oh, wait a minute. What is what is this called? Their point being, you can't be too absurd for these people, right? Right. As long as you tow the party line, um. This one's a a bit frank, folks. Rubbing one out. Defining metasexual violence of objectification through non-consensual masturbation.
2: (laughs) Non-consensual masturbation. I'm going to have to think about that for a second. I'm not, not sure. I think I've always consented.
3: For the Journal of Poetry Therapy, they got Moon Meetings and the Meaning of Sisterhood, a poetic portrayal of lived feminist spirituality. Published and let me do one more. Oh, this is this is good. Agency as an elephant test for feminist porn impacts on male explicit and implicit associations about women in society by immersive pornography consumption. Um, and then they did one on typesets and how they affect, um, uh, your attitudes about various things, various fonts and how they establish male hegemony over something or other. Um, and finally, masculinity and others within. A schizo-ethnographic approach to auto-ethnography. Got them all published.
2: Um, and uh, Victor Davis Hansen, who we like, has written a bunch of books about a bunch of things. Um, um, military historian, among other things. Mentions in one of his books that how it used to be in the United States, as has always been the case in the world. Almost anywhere you went to college... They had some sort of military studies or military science uh, classes or major. Right. And now they're almost non-existent. Mm-hmm. And he goes through the decades how they dropped off. But it used to be every university had that because it's the really, well, the, you know, you can hate more is what you want, but just got to accept the fact that it exists. And all nations an, live and die. Always has and always will. And uh, and universities studied, and you could major in it, and you could take a lot of classes, and they've just disappeared. There's, yeah. like, two universities in the entire country now that do that. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, it is. And, and
3: uh, go, go into a little more detail about when you're trying to find history classes. Oh, uh, yeah. If you so don't I mind.
2: yeah, I wanted to study World War II. I want to take classes and I thought, well, maybe I could take enough classes to get my master's, whatever. And there, there, there was no way to go about just learning about World War II or the Civil War, that sort of stuff. It was all women's role in the Civil War 101 mm-hmm. or, or, or gay people in the Revolutionary War or blacks or whatever. All these different groups, which are all, you know, their own story. Sure. But you couldn't do just regular study the study. World War II. It was just, all you just grievance history. Yeah, it was yeah. all grievance history, which is pretty interesting. It pushes out the other stuff.
3: Yeah, yeah.
2: Um, you got to be worried about this. So we all know, and we've talked about this a lot, that we're getting more calls on our cell phones, people trying to either sell us stuff or rip us off, and it's supposed to explode in the next year for some reason. I guess it's all the data that we've all had hacked from us. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yikes. Even technology experts are getting taken in by some of the more recent schemes. Uh, and they've got one an example here of one guy who does this sort of thing for a living who got called by, uh, he's a Wells Fargo customer. All right, yeah. mm-hmm. Aren't you asking to be ripped off, allegedly? No, oh, wait, what? They have lawyers, and they need them. Fraudsters can use a variety of open source and free tools to fake or spoof the number displayed as the caller ID. I think we've all picked up on that. Oh, yeah. As I got the same, have you been in a wreck lately call from Texas, Massachusetts, California, Nevada? And increasingly, from your dad. Yeah, that's yeah. They're going to mention that, which gets okay. really troubling. Right. Often, just sprinkling in a little foreknowledge of the target's personal details, like the social security number, date of birth, addresses, and other information, when they get you on the phone to show that they're legit. Wow!
3: So they'd say, uh, uh Mister Getty, uh, just to confirm that we are talking to the right person, or the last
2: four digits of your social security yeah. number? You yeah, know, yeah, 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 eight seven six five. And right. it's, and the spoofing number that they are using is not just a random thing from out of town. It will match your like if you work or the the example they use the the credit union that somebody banked with. Mm-hmm. It matched the number of the credit unions that was right. on the back of the card. So you you look at it. Oh no, this is the number. Right. Talking to the person, they know your address. They yikes. know the card. Yeah, I'd say yikes. And by the way, this person points out that they can get that stuff, social security number, dates, date of birth, addresses, prior addresses, all of this for a nominal fee from any one of several underground sites that sell that kind of data. And kind of overground nice. too. I've done that. You've done what? Buy people's secret data so you could become someone else and rip them off? No, no. I've, I've found out shocking amounts of things
3: about people. People, uh, in one case, I needed to find somebody.
2: Uh this won't take a long I'll go through it. So this um person talked about a phone call we have like 50 minutes. <laughs> take your time. Uh call came in a scam call um uh, turned out to be hello? But a call came in and said um hello. Is this uh we we believe we've got some fraudulent activity on your credit card and the number that shows up as Sean pointed up is the is the number you call on the back of your card. Yikes. And says Visa or whatever, of, right. or Wells Fargo Bank in this case. Yeah. Um. And uh, so it's got that number on there. So we've got some uh, questionable uh, charges on your, on your credit card, and we just want to nail this down. I get those calls? Sure. I get that's the website, all right. that sort of stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is the card in your possession right now, the caller uh, asked?
3: Why, yes, it is. It
2: was. The agent then asked... I'll
3: act it out if you want, because I've done some acting.
2: The agent then asked him to read the three-digit CVV code printed on the back of the card. One, two, three... After verifying the CVV, which I wouldn't do, I don't think. Depends on if you caught me when I was busy. How do you not know that? Yeah. The agent offered to expedite a replacement. First, he had to read some disclosures. Then he asked me to key in a new PIN. I picked a random PIN and entered it, verified it again. Then he asked me to key in my current PIN. This made the person pause. Wouldn't an actual representative from Wells Fargo already have access to his current PIN? It's just to confirm things. The caller said, "I can't see what you enter, but you're the bank. You have my pin, and you can see what I enter." The caller had a quick retort for that. Only on the IVR—that's the interactive voice response system. Can they see it? Okay. Oh. oh. <laughs> uh, I didn't know that. Oh, oh the IVR. You're right. using the IVR, huh? Right. Yeah, yeah, didn't know. Yeah, it's candy coated. surprised You didn't know that. <laughs> Hey, if it helps, I have all your account info here just to confirm the last four digits of your Social Security number are your address is. Yeah. Sure enough, that was all correct, but something still seemed off at this point. Told the agent, "I'll call you back by dialing the number printed on the ATM card—the same number that his phone was showing as where the call was coming from." But hung up, called back, and then the representative answered, said, "There's been no such fraud. We don't know what you're talking about." Wow. <laughs> Boy, and soon with that whole voice thing that we've probably seen, you've probably seen it on our website where they can listen to someone's voice and then oh. use it. It'll be your dad calling you. Hey, Jack, from your dad's number, from my You're dad's right. number. Yeah. It'll be my dad's voice saying, Hey, I just need your social security number or something. Really? Why?
3: <laughs> For some forms. <laughs> what forms?
2: Important forms. <laughs> All right. Here you go. Wow, insidious! I can't imagine my dad saying, and then he'd say, I've got it on the IVR! <laughs> <laughs> what, Dan? <laughs> Armstrong and Getty
3: Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday,
1: I will call
2: upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome
4: to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Avoid where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, A-L-L. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope.